0: Welcome to the Geek Centric Podcast, where we believe everything happens for a reason. Call it fate. Call it luck. Call it karma. But have no fear. None of us are carrying an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on our backs. What's up Geeks, I'm Kev from the Home Office, and you are, well of course you are here to hear our thoughts on Hollywood's latest attempt at a Rebootquel, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Just be warned, I'm going to pack this thing with more easter eggs and homages than, well, Ghostbusters Afterlife. But before we break down all of the cameos, easter eggs and witty Paul Rudd one-liners, let me introduce you to the rest of the hearst Driven pole sliding team. First, he collects spores, molds, and fungus, and he is one big Twinkie.
1: There is no Dana, only Nate. (laughs) Bustin' makes me feel good, Kevin. Okay, we go. I want to bust all over the place.
0: You finally, (laughs) after your whole life, got to see the first Ghostbusters.
1: (laughs) Yes. Did that get you excited for this movie? You know what? The first one absolutely did. Uh, The second one... I could have done without. Uh, I think it was, um, I guess it was what it was at, at the time. I think that's how those movies, sequels to those movies are back then. Um, but the first one was fantastic. Yeah, I absolutely had a really great time. Awesome. And, and you know what? I will say for anyone who is going into this movie, uh, or I guess has already seen it, but you know, make sure you watch that first one. Even if you haven't already, you're going to get so many more references. There's so much more to kind of understand about the characters, and we'll kind of break that down. A hundred percent
0: we will. Also joining us, he might not be Vince Clor though, keymaster of Gozer. But back off man, he's a podcaster. And when somebody asks if he's a god, he says yes. It's J-Law.
2: <laughs> I do say yes. Give, it's usually behind closed doors in the
0: bedroom, but we won't get into yeah. that. <laughs>
2: I am the keymaster, that is for sure. There we go. Jeez. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh.
1: So Wait, like can it- I can I can I step in really quick? I just want to just Egon had sex with a ghost in the sequel. And then Ray Stantz Gets a BJ from a ghost in the first one? Are you serious? The 80s were wild, man. What? I was like, this is a kid's movie, isn't it? I guess
0: no,
2: not. I don't, it wasn't intended to be, I don't think. Oh my we'll god. We'll get Gosh. It into it. So.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, but as I mentioned, we're here with our review, and we are coming at you with so many spoilers, even Muncher couldn't handle them all. So, if you haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, first of all, have you or any member of your family ever been diagnosed schizophrenic or mentally incompetent? And secondly... Pause this podcast, get your butt out to see the movie, and then come right back to hear all of the slimy details. Now for a quick recap, Ghostbusters Afterlife is a supernatural comedy film directed by Jason Reitman, who co-wrote the screenplay with Gil Keenan. The film stars Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, and Paul Rudd, while Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Annie Potts reprise their roles from the original films. It's a sequel to Ghostbusters, and maybe kind of Ghostbusters 2 both directed by Reitman's father and this film's producer Ivan. Set 32 years after the events of the second film, a single mother and her two children move to a small town in Oklahoma where they discover their connection to the original Ghostbusters and their grandfather's secret legacy. Now, no job is too big and no fee is too big, so let's move on from the formalities and get into this. Let's start (laughs) with our initial thoughts on the movie because guys, this might be the most excited I've been to talk about a movie in a long time. Nice.
2: Yeah, I, I, f- I feel like this movie it knew what it needed to do and it did it really well. And y- you called it a re- rebootquel, which it does sort of feel like, but it also has this sort of generational handoff, if you will, right? Like it feels like it's it's being passed to a next generation to kind of relive that. And you it's really kind of like that. Force
0: Awakens. It's exactly you know. like the Force yeah. Awakens, exactly. It
2: has a young, fresh cast to sort of rejuvenate the franchise. And I appreciate that, that Reitman... You know, use the first film directed by his father uh, as a subtext and an influence, while while taking the story in a new direction that feels very much like a emblem centric sort of story, right? Like a, it feels very Spielberg inspired, right? Um, Super
0: eighties family film.
2: Absolutely, family adventure with kids. It, it has all the great mixings in it, and it was just such a a, a fun time uh, in the theaters. It was really good.
1: Well, Kevin, I got to say, did I like this movie? Uh, is the atomic weight of Cobalt 58.9 because absolutely.
0: (laughs) They're not coming in with these
1: little references. Love it. Absolutely. I I really enjoyed it, and I was so happy that I did watch the original Ghostbusters coming into this. I do think, though, for me, the cast is what really carries this movie uh, into the future, and I just want to shout out, like, honestly, McKenna Grace, was phenomenal. I've only ever seen her in one other thing, which was *The Handmaid's Tale*. She's amazing in that. If you're looking for like a more dramatic role from her, um, and she almost seems older in *Handmaid's Tale*. I think that was probably because this movie was shot so long ago uh but for her age in this movie she does such a good job and are we we're in spoilers right we're we're totally spoiler so she is such she's so Egon yeah the way that she does those mannerisms she pushes her glasses up she has the dry humor like it's so well done and I was just so impressed by her and and what they were able to do with her
2: I totally agree with you Nate I think she carried the movie with her, her performance that, that, again, didn't imitate, but sort of echoed. The Egon yes. that that we we know from those other two, or movies. did
0: it ecto it?
2: Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, and she defined the character very uniquely on her own, and and I think she was at a point because she's so young where she's obviously very influenced by the intellectual capabilities that she has, but she's still discovering herself as a person.
0: Well, and and speaking first specifically about McKenna, I mean, if anybody were ever to come at me and say, "Oh, you didn't like the the t- uh, twenty sixteen Um, movie because it was girls and you don't think girls should be Ghostbusters. I'm sorry, girls make excellent Ghostbusters. That wasn't my problem with that movie and this movie proves that anybody can be the Ghostbuster. It's about the heart and soul that you bring to that character and that's what this movie does so well is the heart and soul. All of these characters, especially the young actors that they have in this movie, they just bring so much personality that uh, because I mean one big apprehension, if I had any going into this, was how are kids going to carry this movie that was carried right. originally by these comedic right. legends, you right. know, and, and the writing but the, the performances just, they brought this new life to this franchise and just it channeled the, the personalities and, and the, the comedy that, that made that original so good. And the cast just, the young kids just have such a great bond and chemistry together.
2: Yeah. And I think that was the failed attempt with number three is that they said, oh, we're going to bring together uh, a, a selective cast of female actors that were kind of on the same tier as when, you know, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, yeah. and, and those actors were in that in their prime. So they wanted to recreate that here. There's no attempt for that. That all happens naturally through the story. Right. And And the way that they're they're avoiding trying to capture like this sort of ensemble cast but just letting the cast kind of be and that really does you know attribute to Reitman's focus on building these characters through a mystery adventure right like the entire cast was fantastic but they found their footing in a more in a very natural way rather than bouncing jokes off of each other to be kind of quippy as as their characters if you will
1: and you keep saying the word cast and I just want to keep bringing them up podcast was such a wonderful addition uh, as as uh, Phoebe's little friend, and and just seeing him sort of go throughout and and really act like you know, kind of how we all act on our podcast and things like that. And just, I loved his, the the whole aspect of him getting to meet his only, uh, his only fan. His, well, I wouldn't say it like that, but yeah, his only subscriber. Absolutely. Yeah. You almost have to avoid only fan as an expression <laughs> these days.
0: Um, but yeah, it, speaking of Logan Kim who plays podcast, I don't understand how somebody this young and inexperienced, I mean, this is basically his first acting role how does he have such perfect comedic timing it was yeah. unbelievable the way he delivered those lines like it, it, like he was a veteran
2: he was the comedic highlight for me as much yeah. as you know they gave those moments to phoebe And there's an awesome dad joke with Paul Rudd. And that scene was, it had me in stitches. I laughed out loud. Logan Kim specifically, though, he actually was like, I think, the elevated comedy throughout this entire movie. It was very much around him. And he had some standout moments.
0: Well, and and you you called out Paul Rudd. So why don't we talk about him for a second here? Because is there any human being in the world more perfectly suited to just hang out with kids and just be like, you're cool? And I like you and, you know, like he's the yeah. best that just – he has so much heart. He is a he's a so key master. Awesome. That is
2: for sure. That is totally yeah. for sure. He is a Rick Moranis kind of guy.
1: He, You know what was great about him, though, was I just love how even in this universe – Paul Rudd is the biggest fan of the thing we're all watching. And it's just perfect. It was just so fun to see him uh, go throughout this movie. And yeah, it was such a good casting. I thought that was such a wonderful choice. Um, and I also think, you know, we talked about chemistry earlier. Him playing off Carrie Coon. I think Whew, Carrie Coon so as as that mom, that sort of that jaded uh, side of things was so well done. And and that would, that would be one of the sort of few things that that they really did change up, uh, I think, from this movie, from the first one, right? Obviously, there's a lot of similarities, and a lot of the characters do echo each other really well. But I think Carrie Coon's Callie, I think, did a good job of sort of giving a little bit more, a little something different uh, than than something like, you know, Sigourney Weaver. Um, And then I also, just speaking of difference, because I know a lot of people are going to wonder this, in terms of Finn Wolfhard, is he just you know, his character from Stranger Things, and I don't think so. He's not too different, but at the same time like He's Finn Wolfhard. I kind of I well, you know what I liked about it was was in Stranger Things, he uh there's an episode where he wants to be Vankman. And uh and then I think one of the other um What's his friend wants to be Vankman as well. You can't have two Vankmans. right? It's so good, and and so it's funny that he kind of got to be Vankman a little bit in this movie. He does play a little bit more of like you know first first girl he sees he goes after, and very he's got the dry sort of wit, like yeah, yes, yeah, sarcastic wit. And so I really like that, and I, I I like that they managed to still split up the comedy though between him and Logan Kim's podcast. Uh, another thing I think really works well is. You know, if you want to make this
0: feel fresh and new, take it out of New York City, and boy, they couldn't have picked a further yeah. setting for this film <laughs> than yes. the city. Yeah. And I think that really works in giving it this small feel with a huge consequence going on yes, around these absolutely. characters. And yeah. and yeah, I just I love the setting and and the discovery of all these relics. And mm-hmm.
2: well, yeah, I think I think you know you you bring up the idea of in the original they they. They go from, they were in New York and now they move into a small town. And I think that plays really, really well. Um, I think the other thing too, is as we referenced before, like this does feel like a a generational handoff similar to that of of Star Wars, The Force Awakens. And it's a lot of those callbacks and those references that are layered throughout this movie um, to a point where I think that's where some of the negative stuff is coming from, where people are kind of turned off by this movie is how heavily, uh, you know, layered with nostalgia it is at the end of the day this this lovingly pays homage to you know jason reitman's father's original series and and for that i, I really appreciate it. and i think it worked well at, at being you know probably the strongest part
0: well like, personally i'm i'm kind of surprised at the the critics reviews of the movie i, I mean yeah. 52 on metacritic a 62 on rotten tomatoes rough. that's more shocking than a venkman experiment you know <laughs> Um, and and it seems that one of their biggest complaints is that it's too overly nostalgic pays too many homages and so like you know I want to get into that maybe a little bit because I personally found that to be one of the they did it so well if it's done right it can really really work and I thought that was one of the strongest parts of the film
1: yeah I think so for me the 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 aspects of nostalgia and the sort of the like every little moment of sort of revealing something um, it didn't hit as hard for me because I didn't grow up with these movies. I literally just watched it yesterday, like the day before. So for me, um, I did feel like that some of the pacing and some of the slowness to lead up to those reveals was artificial it didn't feel as natural for me and so there were a lot of moments where I was sort of waiting for a character to move out of the way of another character's face and I'm just like I'm expecting okay there's gonna be another character there's gonna be another reference that we're gonna get and I did feel like especially during the middle of the film it definitely sort of slowed down a little bit too much for my liking for me to kind of be like it doesn't it doesn't feel normal that they would be taking this long to get to where they're getting to
0: now are you specifically referring to the first time that we see Dan Aykroyd's character, the phone call that um, Phoebe makes while she's in jail? Because for me, like if we if there's anything to nitpick, it would be that one scene with Dan Aykroyd felt forced and overly expository in that, you know, it, it it just felt a bit forced. So I did feel it in that one particular scene, whereas the other ones, I was eating that up like the popcorn in my lap.
1: Yeah, who you gonna call was, uh, I? you know, I... Gotta check I, I, mean, I do agree. There, there were of stretches stretch. when they when yeah. they
2: did incorporate that. Some of it hits really, yeah. really well. But I, 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 do think some of it was was shoehorned in for like, oh, let's let's give them another one there. Like it was overdone a little yeah. bit. But I, yeah. I think negatives. I think the biggest negative for me, and I'm, I'm just, it's not necessarily a negative. I'm just not 100 percent sold on it yet. I think I need to rewatch it to see it. But it's the CGI. Harold Ramis, Egon coming back. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think they went too long with it. To me, Kevin, uh, you described that scene when, when the original Ghostbusters interact with this ghost while they're in the middle of you know trying to get Google down, right? Like they're they're interacting oop, and then oop, they just kind of look over. Bernie
0: face is so good, there. but it's still yeah.
2: that to me just felt very forced, right? Like that felt forced in the sense of we're doing this for the sake of that. I I will say though, I appreciate the fact that they they try to wrap up his story. Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis brought Ghostbusters to life. They were friends. And I think that as much as this is a reboot or a a branch off of of the Ghostbusters, this is also just a a really nice heartfelt send-off to, yeah. to Harold Ramis' character. And I really liked how they handled it at the opening with the, with the shadows and the, and the characteristics and the personality. I think they could have done more of that in that ghost effect that would have still translated and would have still have done what it needed to do without having to lean hard in recreating because I, I just don't know if I'm there yet to appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I listen, I appreciated that they didn't have him talk. Sure. I think that would have been a huge miss. Um, I think, you know, but but i will say like that whole scene that whole moment say what you will about the cgi i didn't cry but i i got a little misty i, I dude it it i'm mean, i'm just going to say this i think it did better than rise of skywalker did for the exact same moment in rise of skywalker i actually i like i absolutely adored it i thought it was so well done i was not expecting all of our Ghostbusters to show up, and they all did. And the whole audience in my theater was all clapping and cheering. It was awesome. Like, it was such a good get-hype moment. And, uh, and yeah, you know, again, I came into this movie thinking, oh, yeah, it's Force Awakens for sure, but I did not expect. Yeah, Roger but that
2: Skywalker battle did. felt like Harry Potter, though, didn't it? Between Voldemort I mean, and Harry, little, and then when the little, ghosts
1: come. Double, double, double. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe a little bit. I, I feel like but you got you got podcasts back there popping up those little I, those little It does <laughs> little it dudes. does
2: feel very nice that everyone took part in it though, right? That yes. that does take part and that he does show up. But that hand on the gun was more than enough than anything else they showed after that. Like that to me, if they yeah. left it at that, that would have been <laughs> it. That's all I needed. You know I mean, what
0: I mean? <laughs> I'll agree he might have been on screen for one or two minutes too long, but I think it's just so important that they they this they made this almost as a tribute to, to Harold Ramis and 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 because like you said he created the franchise him and Bill Murray were comedy a comedy team in the eighties uh, you know and and I think he obviously was an important part of um, Jason Reitman's life growing up obviously you know because of his father and so. I think they justify it with that final tag for Harold. And I just think it was such a beautiful moment and to see him be able to pass on knowing that he's left his legacy and what he was fighting so hard for in good hands. Um, But I do agree the best parts with him were before we even saw him. The way he points the light at the wall, whips open the desk. It was so annoyed Egon. Yeah, Yeah, no, that was
2: good. good. That was really good. And I think those mannerisms of reflecting egon through you know the the light shining all of his diplomas on the wall or the the rapid drawer pull out like i think those captured him so much more they didn't need to necessarily lean so hard in that final moment
0: for me the cgi works because he's sort of translucent and ghosty and so it's not like a tarkin effect where you're just seeing this rubbery cgi man it it looked the most Authentic of what of this recreation of a either deceased or much older character than we've ever seen, in my opinion.
1: And I want to shout out the visuals in general. I actually thought, I mean, trust me, coming off the the original movie, everything was going to pop a bit better, right? I mean, that that original movie, those those dog characters looked like uh, like sticky putty being thrown across the room. So like to see to see them here. I but the one thing I will say is when they were standing still. Uh, it was really cool to see how well they still managed to l- really look like the original visuals. And so I thought that was a really cool way that it still felt uh, cheesy, but updated.
2: For sure, yeah. I, I think this, yeah, you're, you're hitting it on the head there. It it, it pays homage in the right ways to, to what the, the original tried to do. And it's still a success, rightfully. Like that is an established blockbuster. It's still, obviously it doesn't age well in terms of graphics, but that, you know, Translating the the uh, nostalgic piece over makes sense, right? So
1: yeah, it still it still works. Yeah. um, it's still silly, but it it still works. I think. Uh, seeing Annie Potts come back, uh, Janine Melnitz, she she looks amazing. Uh, hasn't aged a day. And uh, and then the weirdest one though for me was was that J.K. Simmons. Yes, yes. that was yeah. well, okay. But why I am mean, I missing maybe something? He's
0: a huge fan because we said that after I was like, that's <laughs> so nice of J.K. Simmons to show up at work to have. You know, one line before getting (laughs) ripped in half and just sort of looking around for a bit. Like, that was awesome.
2: My theory is they could have maybe shot some scenes, some more scenes with him, and they just didn't get into the final cut. But I I think also. Reitman and Jason Reitman and, and, and JK Simmons um, are actually friends. He was in Juno, wasn't
0: he? I was just gonna say I think they worked together yeah, on Juno, So that, yeah, makes yeah, sense.
2: that makes sense. That makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. so maybe maybe it was just like sort of like, hey, would you cameo? So I I could see it being a thing.
1: The only other thing that I want to shout out is a kind of a negative for me was the the especially in the second movie, um I did kind of like how they involved New York a little bit more. And I felt as though that was something that didn't translate into Somerville. Somerville didn't, it, it didn't have as much characteristic about it. And I could see them rectifying that in in like a sequel if they wanted to kind of stay in that setting and kind of have maybe a little bit more character from that town. But I just thought that, you know, Lucky and her friends and, and, and seeing like her dad didn't, I think if her dad was in it maybe a little bit more, like it didn't feel like there was enough sort of Somerville in this movie, which I get it. You can only pack so much and you're focusing on the kids. But I just felt like that was a a little bit of a miss when coming from such a wonderful city such as New York.
2: Yeah, I I, I think, though, that it might have just been about the mountain and the fact that there's desolate land surrounding it, right? Right. And this town is so small that there's just, there is like, it seems like everyone is just like hates on the town. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, right. it's like, nobody wants to be there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, and, yeah. and I think that that's, you know, why does nobody want to be there? What could it be? Because there's like a hell mouth underneath it potentially. <laughs> there
0: you go. Well, yeah. And, and even just speaking about, you know, the, the, the town taking a back seat, I think it was intentional to have it be less of a focus. So these characters and these relationships could be, Put to the forefront, and they were the things that we were focusing on more, not the big bright lights of a New York City, for example. Mm, okay. All right. Well, even though Venkman has warned us not to shut it off, we've got to wrap up this podcast. So let's go to a summary of our thoughts and our final scores. Today,
1: we'll be scoring out of five mini Stay Puffed Marshmallows. Oh, I love it. Mini Stay Puffed Marshmallows. Yes. Oh, delicious. Um, I mean that scene when they're in the Walmart and they're they're all just popping and killing each other and stuff like that it was just so that much better a- than a- it had adorable any right to scene be. Scene of mass murder and right, oh you know, yes, <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, this movie was was great. It felt it felt classic instantly. You know, when you walk out of the theater and you're just like, that's a classic movie. Uh, and it does feel like it's going to age really well. It does feel like it's going to be one of those things where you'll be able to go back and watch the original Ghostbusters, skip the second one, skip 2016, and go right to this, and it'll feel perfectly in place with uh, with whatever's next. Um, you know, I think there are going to be a lot of people that are going to say it did Force Awakens it too much. It didn't do anything new. Um, but I do think there are there is enough in it that it did do enough new. I think, again, the characters... Um, and the the cast really carry this movie. Um, it did drag in a little bit, you know, in the middle uh, again to kind of get to some of those forced reveals. that kind of helped build that up, and it, it did feel a little artificial in terms of that. Um, but um, I think as far as reboots go, this one really, really worked. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't say too much more than I've already said. So I'm going to be giving this four out of five. Mini stay puffed marshmallows uh, f- stay puffed marshmallows that sounds like a good tagline for the end of the- <laughs> <laughs> just tell it yourself
2: yeah um, I think this film is a win for me uh, again not enough can be said about the narrative that Jason Reitman weaves that feels to embrace the original but like sort of branching into a new direction that feels fresh uh, and feels very of today. And again, rather than building a new cast of comedic ghostbusters centered around their sort of chemistry, very much like the first one did or the failed third one, uh, you know, Wrightman focuses on building characters that have heart. And, and, you know, while some do get lost in the busting process, M- M- McKenna Grace carries this movie as an awkward, weird, charming Phoebe. And, and podcast was, ab- was like comedic delight. Was yeah. he was the he was the heart of the humor? If in my opinion, he was just so so captivating. Um, well, I'm not 100 sold on on CGI Harold Ramis at the end. I appreciate that they gave closure to this story through the lens of his family. This film, like many of the movies we admire here on the podcast, hits the nostalgic beats and is carried by strong, personable characters with a lot of heart. For fans of the original, they understand what was then has inspired what is now, a new generation of Ghostbusters with the sensibility of today. Uh, I would love to see more of this in the future, and so for that, I am giving this movie a 4.5 out of 5.
1: There you go.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go hard mushy here and just, just pour my heart out over how much I absolutely love this movie. Uh, I was excited for it. I've been a fan of Ghostbusters my whole life. Um, But for this movie to be as great as it was took me by surprise, even with all my anticipation and excitement for it. I think it's just such a lovely love letter, not just to the original movie, but to the fans of the original movie, and then as well to Harold Ramis, who was such an integral part of that first movie. I think it does such a great job. I think you said it yourself, Justin, of... Taking a classic movie and bringing it into the 21st century, so that new audiences won't just enjoy this movie, but will go back and watch that original and fall in love with it themselves. I think they work so well together as these bookends of of this original cast of characters that took the world by storm and have endeared us for for over 30 years. Uh, I and. A quick shout-out to the soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was amazing. The score, I should say, was so amazing. Right from the opening scene, you just felt it pouring into you, and it, and it carried the movie really, really well. We've said so much about the performances of these young actors. Some of them, their first performance. Uh, some of them, their best performance to date. And I just think that they could steal the show from somebody like Paul Rudd That they could steal the show from returning Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson. That is such a testament to how great they were in this. And the writing allowing them to to discover and create these characters. It all just meshed so well together. This is, hands down, the most fun I've had in a movie in a long, long time. Easily my favorite movie of the year... Wow. Uh, I think you've got your work cut out for you now, Spider-Man, because this is going to be hard to top just in terms of combining heart, fun, excitement, nostalgia, and a pure theatrical experience. Uh, and so with that said, I am giving this a 4.8 out of 5 mini Stay Whoa. Puff Marshmallows. I love this movie. I love it. Nice. Wow. And, you know, on that note you know Justin you mentioned you wanted to see more and mm-hmm. we got two little post credit or mid credit and post credit stingers that suggest that there might be more let's talk about that first one uh in the mid credits there where Sigourney Weaver comes back i thought they they handled that so well in that they had the the cast of the, the list of actors and the last one Sigourney Weaver and everyone kind of went huh And then there she is. Yeah, that was purposeful. That was smart. I liked how they did that. So smart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they're reenacting that great scene that Bill Murray has in the first one. Uh, That was so nice to see them back together.
2: Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. I think that was like that was kind of like yeah, you know, we were able to find a place for her character in this movie as well and i think that that was just again paying respects to the original and a, and a very bringing the original cast back so I, I appreciate it the only person obviously missing from this original cast is uh rick moranis he was missed from this one I, there were rumors that he could have potentially been in but he, he never showed up
1: oh he's showing up in that sequel for sure dude 100 <laughs> 100%, 100%. why
2: wasn't i in the first one
0: yeah, that's yeah, right? oh. um but in uh, in addition to that after the credits it was a uh, will they won't they have one you know as as marvel fans of the last 12 years i'm almost sticking around to the end of credits just to see if there's something and you're often disappointed but we weren't here and i'll just start off by saying i love this idea that the person who's going to make the ghostbusters a thing again is ernie hudson's winston everyone you know kind of poops on the winston character of not really being a part of it not having anything to do and so it's like you know what damn it
1: we're gonna make him the guy who's responsible for bringing that back and i love that idea yeah, I love the idea that he's he's got his own company and he's going to literally turn it into like an enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's so just a, such a really cool way to elevate that character in general, because you're right. He is sort of, unfortunately, seen as sort of the guy that joined late. He's not really a scientist. And so to see him sort of be a, uh, I, what I would love to see him be is kind of the, the Nick Fury, if you will, of this universe of like trying to get more Ghostbusters. Like, there was an idea.
2: Nick just <laughs> bring Ghostbusters on. <laughs> I don't know, man.
1: Just turn everything into the MCU. That's yeah. all I want. Yeah.
2: He, Nate's waiting for the Ghostbusters <laughs> endgame scene where portals <laughs> open and demons from everywhere, every world. <laughs> well, yeah, they could go right? and fight
1: Mephisto, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. or, or dude, right, I'm right, like telling you. And, and then we get the 2016 Ghostbusters in there. Chris nope, Hemsworth right is now. there. Stop <laughs> right now. It's going to be amazing, <laughs> dude. Nate, I'm so stoked.
2: Nate Fistode. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, again, w- w- Winston's character took took the job as a Ghostbuster because he needed the money. He was struggling. He was not. They needed people. They needed to hire. He was the person they hired. And from that, he became the believer of the Ghostbusters. Right. At the end, when he is pleading in the mayor's office that he has seen some stuff, but these guys know what they're talking about, he stood up for them. I think it's interesting that, you know, he's now become this successful guy, a guy who had no money, to now a guy who has a lot of money. And what he's going to end up doing obviously after the experience, has inspired him to rebuild or reborn the the Ghostbusters, right? Because you got Afterlife. I guess the next one's going to be called Ghostbusters Reborn, right? Uh, I like love that res- title for <laughs> it. Ghostbusters Resurrections. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say Ghostbusters <laughs> After
1: Death, and then it would be like we go into the, the nether realm. Maybe we see where the ghosts are coming from. Sure. Um, I I'll think that would be super cool. some good ideas here. Right? But, Justin, I love that call out, man. I love the idea that, yeah, Winston started... The reason he joined the Ghostbusters was because he had a lack of money. And now the thing that he's able to come back to the Ghostbusters yes, is with a, he's lot got of money. a ton of money. He can bring it back. And uh, and I, I just I can't wait to see sort of how they go about doing that. I do really hope though, going forward, that at least Podcast and Phoebe uh, are are still you know, the, the sort of the main characters in this next uh, installment.
2: Well, yeah, Paul Rudd needs to hold a a
1: a pack in the next For one. For sure. On. He Absolutely needs to one now. He yeah. earns yeah. it. He yeah. earned it.
2: I just hope that they're able to dive more into maybe a little bit more of what all of the Ghostbusters movies are really missing as a little background as to the ghosts and where they come from and the types of ghosts and, and Ghostbusters also... after death. Let's go. Yeah,
0: let's explain why some ghosts are skeletons of the people that died and others are blobby, <laughs> metal eating monsters. The rules are not established properly they, they you're absolutely right yeah
2: exactly there are yeah. no rules
0: yeah, yeah exactly
2: so it'll be nice to see though how they can just bring more breath to that world but i think the biggest thing is you got to have jason reitman at least writing this thing Right? Oh, 100%. I think he yeah. He's to allowed
0: just... to do another 100%. He's, he's he's earned it. you know. I think,
2: though, that Sony will go push him to do something more CGI Hollywood style, like with bigger epics, you know, things. And it's going to miss the mark in terms of the heart that this one has. So but I, I feel like that's if his thing. He far. loves
0: bringing heart. He, that's what he likes to focus on. Right. Yeah. So the fact that he could do both in this one, I think he'd rather do that than just some big CGI blockbuster for the sake of it. You yeah. know,
2: because this, I, I think that, yes, this had the right amount of CGI epicness to it but it didn't overdo it if there is a sequel that'll lend itself to have more of i guess as nate was describing you know a city be involved at the core of of what's happening right
1: yeah man i would like i don't listen don't go into the upside down or whatever but like what if we saw like the 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 entire city but everyone's dead you know what I mean? Like, how sick would that be to sort of almost, almost pull like a Dios de los Muertos sort of side of things out of there? Where it's it's around Halloween time, you can sort of add that in. Um, I think that would be really, really cool, and and yeah, again, sort of help to establish some of this background. Like, what is Gozer? A Gozerian? Like, can we see more Gozerians? Are there? Yeah, are there and What's more the world Gozerians that they, they come from? Right? Like, what's that <laughs> right? world?
2: Like, is that what the number two is? Like, the other thing too is finding a way again not to you know box themselves to the same villain or some sort of association, unless that is part of the bigger picture. There is another world beyond them. That who who who's Gozer's boss or like where what what does that world look like? Like, yeah, if they've I'll, opened the door the next stage yeah Yeah. let's see because maybe there's they're not done maybe it is kind of like as you described nate the upside down where there's a a constant banging on either ends of the door right sort of thing so
0: so cool possibilities I i love it possibilities yeah awesome well we came we saw and we kicked this podcast's ass thank you so much for joining us today wherever you listen to podcasts if you haven't already be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review If you don't, you will perish in flame, you and all your kind. We'd love to know your thoughts on the movie. Does it live up to the original or blow up like a big old marshmallow man? Uh, What were some of your favorite uh, moments, cameos, or Easter eggs? Also, who does your taxes? You can hit us up (laughs) at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. And trust us, we believe you. But if email is too much of a prehistoric bitch, show them how you do it downtown and hit us up on Twitter at GeekcentricYT and on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric. Also, check us out at YouTube.com Geekcentric. We have a Ghostbusters video that we did a few years ago. and. Yeah. Honestly, watching this movie, I was still like, slaps. well, we kind of did, <laughs> yeah. did that. We kind of did that. You know, we had Finn Wolfhard teaming up with the with the actual Ghostbusters. Yeah. You know, so.
1: I mean, Afterlife is basically based off that YouTube day. I don't know if <laughs> knows Get this.
0: some royalties here, Sony. <laughs> but definitely check that out. Um But also, as always, we've got a ton of great content to check out on the podcast channel, including our spoiler-free review of Cowboy Bebop, which dropped on Netflix on November 19th. And coming up, we have spoiler-free previews for Masters of the Universe, as well as Hawkeye. Uh, Speaking of, we'll be starting a new watch club for Hawkeye with a variety of different guests, so keep your bullseyes open for that one. (laughs) Justin, Nate, and everyone listening, I appreciate you. And next time you want to hear the latest on everything going down in the world of film, television, toys, collectibles, and all things geeky, who you going to call
2: Geek-Centric?